Hello, and welcome to How Inappropriate, the podcast where we ask the question, could this movie get made today? I am your host, Kira Allen, and I am thrilled to be with you as always. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, check in with us and have some fun. We've got a great movie lined up for you this week. Uh, but before we get started, I want to introduce my guest. This is a, a great a great friend of mine, old friend of mine, um, and he's a filmmaker. He's an award-winning actor. Um, he has a production company, SEI Studios in Chicago, and he is a self-proclaimed asshole. He had a very short stint as a podcaster with his show, Welcome to the Madhouse, where he discussed important life-altering topics such as the importance of porn, weed legalization, and why world star hip-hop is the internet's gateway to hell. And if he's upright and walking, there's a good chance he's drunk, which means he belongs on this show. Uh, <laughs> please welcome David Johnson to the show. David, thank you for coming on. No, thank you. Except that you stressed old. You said yeah. <laughs> you, you're oh, old. That was a friend. Freudian slip. That was a Freudian slip. I'm sorry. Of course you're not old. I will oh, tell no, you, it was accurate. <laughs> I will tell you that I had a tooth pulled this week, and the pain was lasted much longer than it normally does, so much so that I called the dentist today to ask him if this was normal and to see if I needed to come back in. And he he very uh, politely responded, it's important to remember that you're not 16 years old anymore. Your <laughs> mouth isn't going to heal. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. You should have like, told him, hey, hey, Doc, uh, hold back on the jokes and uh, give me the prescriptions for the drugs. That's, yeah. that's what I was really calling about. And he was like, no. <laughs> He's like, no more prescriptions. I burned through that thing this week. I need the Vicodin. Yeah, no. He was like, no more. <laughs> I'm like, well, damn. <laughs> Fine. So I'm just doing Advil and wine right now. It seems to be working. Oh, my God. Well, you know, whatever. I'm sure I'll be fine. Um, if I pass out during the podcast, so just carry on without me. Um, okay. Well, we picked our movie this week is Weekend at Bernie's. And yes. uh, uh, let me read the IMDb description of the movie before we get started, David. It says two, okay. two young man, men are trying to make their way in a corporation, one on charm, the other on hard work. When they go to the president, Bernie, with a serious financial error on a printout, he pretends to be thrilled and invites them to his beach house for the weekend. He actually plans on having them killed. Bernie is also fooling around with the girlfriend of his mafia partner. And when the partner has Bernie killed, the boys end up having to pretend Bernie is still alive as the frustrated hitman tries time and time again to complete the job. And that is Weekend at Bernie's in a nutshell. First question I want to ask you, Dave, is had you seen this before? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, the um, when you sent the list of movies over for me to see uh, or to take a look at as to, to which movie I want to talk about, you had uh, The Cannonball Run which I, I, I strongly considered. Mm -hmm. And then you had uh, Weekend at Bernie's. And uh, I just, I remember, you know, seeing it as a teenager. And I just thought it was absolutely hilarious at the time. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I, I went back and watched it now. And I was like, you know, it's what the terrible. hell was wrong with me as a kid? <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> we watched it last weekend and we finished it. And I was just like, you know, I remember it being so much funnier than it was. Yes, absolutely. That's the first thing I thought. I'm like, man, the, the movie was on for an hour before I giggled. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> 
it was not a good movie. And I, I just, yeah, because I do. I remember thinking this was the funniest shit I had ever seen. Like it was, yes. it was right up there with like Revenge of the Nerds and like that. I this movie I probably watched half a dozen times as a kid. Um, and then watching it again, I was like, this movie is excruciating. As a matter of fact, I literally wrote at one point in my notes, this movie is literally making me sick. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this movie is terrible, but it's, it was like an, it was like an almost 90 minute or or two hour SNL skit that just went on for too long. It's a one bit pony as far as you know what the what the what the joke is to the movie but it takes you an hour to get to that moment yeah that was the other thing like we're going on and on the movie i'm like there's no bernie yet like it's taking way too long to get to the bernie part of weekend at bernie's um and the you know the rest of this plot isn't interesting enough to carry the movie but let's start at the beginning because we start with our two main characters we have rich and larry um Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy. And now, is Silverman is his sister the other Silverman? Who's the other Silverman you're thinking of? I don't know. Who uh, that is. what is that actress name? Um, Are you thinking of Alicia Silverstone? Yes. No, she's Silverstone. Oh. Huh. Kind of silver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. No. <laughs> That's racist. You can't tell the white people apart. <laughs> I can't. No. Oh, my God, I can't. <laughs> no, it was Jonathan Silverman, and I don't know if you remember him, but he kind of was like a, a very steady presence in 80s movies, um, continuing the long line, uh, the long tradition of um, kind of middling talent, uh, semi-cute Jewish boys who, for whatever reason, keep getting lead roles in movies. There's always one of those. Uh, the modern version of this is this actor named Justin Barta, who, again, he's like okay. sort of cute, like white guy, Jewish. He's not the greatest actor, but he pops up in these leading roles all the time. So I think it's always a case of, like, this guy must know someone, but that's who Jonathan Silver was for the 80s. He was that guy, like, just he he had that kind of wisecracking, like Jewish personality that, like stereotypically, I should say, Jewish personality, and uh, ended up getting cast in a lot of of eighties movies. And of course, we remember Andrew McCarthy from The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink, right? Yeah. Um, uh huh. He he was he was part of that whole uh, Brat Pack. Yeah. Yes, he was. Um, I think he was maybe the only one who had the good sense to move on to like other projects you know well, he actually showed up in uh in the joy luck club yeah he he had a, a a very steady career after that he just kind of took bit roles so he didn't go for the leading roles he didn't try to like capitalize on the 80s success he just kind of did his thing i heard he also um became a director he's directed a lot of television episodes and um something else oh he uh i think he used to do some narration too he used okay. to narrate like uh, National Geographic shows, stuff like that. So I mean, he's had like a good, steady career and probably made a lot of money, but just hasn't been in the the public eye. So good for him. 
Hmm. Good on him. But we start with Rich and Larry, and they're in New York City, of course, and they, they work at an ad agency, and they're kind of slaving away and one of the lower levels. They're trying to get noticed by by the boss. And, of course, Larry is the smartass, and Rich is like the straight arrow, and we know Rich is the straight arrow because the first thing we see is them walking the streets of New York City, and Larry throws his trash, and Rich picks it up. Exactly. Right. So... <laughs> Clearly, right there. Right there. Oh, Larry. Oh, Larry. He's such and a... And, of course, you, you, you also have uh, them going to work, and one of them has on a shirt and tie, and the other one has on uh, tennis shoes, high-top tennis shoes and shorts. <laughs> yes. Going to work. He's so wacky. <laughs> He's so wacky. That guy, uh, he just doesn't care about anything. So, yeah, but, of course, uh, Rich, Jonathan Silverman's character, he wants to work through the weekend. He wants, because he wants this promotion. He wants this raise. He wants to impress the boss, who is Bernie. And uh, so they they comb over the, this project that they had, and they find some accounting errors. And, of course, where do they go to hatch a plan? Well, where everyone goes in New York City when they want to hatch a plan, they go to the roof. To the roof, their, exactly. That, that was the beach. That was their beach. And I love it because, it, like, this is a, a movie trope that really bothers me. In movies, they make it seem like the rooftops of New York are the most secret, sacred places on Earth. And no one else knows about them except the people in the movie. But that, in reality, that's prime real estate. You can't just walk up into anyone's rooftop in New York City. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's absolute prime real estate. No matter, even if it's the worst building, that's like, no. <laughs> and I happen. mean, they, they got it decked out. They, they got the pool up there, and uh, they got the boom box and the, and the chairs. I mean, it's like, it's, it's their private area. I know, and they act like it's supposed to make them so poor or something because they have all that. It's like, this space is sweet. Like, charge five bucks a pop and have a party up there. You, you know what I chipped off of uh, in that scene was the uh, the printout that they were looking at. I was like, oh, my God, that's that old <laughs> dot matrix. <laughs> I think I do have it in my notes. I have it in my notes that at one time, um, at one time during the during the movie, and I can't remember exactly where it is now, but um, Bernie, look, he takes those that computer printout. And it's huge, right? It's like right. enormous. The, the, on the green paper. Yeah, like the striped green and white. And the yes. sides come off, like the perforated sides that come off. And he takes it, and, and it's uh, got something on it. His hands get black, and um, Andrew McCarthy says, oh, I'm sorry, sir, that was the computer ink. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. It was like... Computers, it's the future. <laughs> yeah, if, if my kids were sitting there watching this, they, they would completely miss what that even was. No, I remember. I mean, you remember how loud those printers were? Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, gosh, yeah, that was so funny to see that. So um, let's see. They, uh, they figure out this plan. They're going to take the, the numbers to Bernie. And they're going to show him, and hopefully they're going to get a raise and get all the glory. And, and so they head back to work. Um, I, have, I have this note. There's one, I don't know if you noticed, but there's one point where they, they head back into the building. Um, they're in the lobby, and it's right around when um, we find out that Jonathan Silver has a love interest. And he runs into that girl, uh, who is his love, Gwen, 
who is the uh-huh. dopiest. Lo- Gwen has very bad decision-making skills. We'll talk about further. I can't believe she ends up with this guy, but after all the stuff he does. But uh, there was two, they walk past these two guys that are in um, short suits. Dude, I was just about to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I understand that it's supposed to be hot. They they kept making that point that it was a hot day in New York. Come on, man. Who the fuck is going to work with a short set? It was short. I mean, with the, with the double-breasted yeah, uh, yeah. jacket and everything. Yeah, it was like a real suit. And it had, like, knee socks, black knee socks on and shiny loafers and shorts. I'm like, I, I remember the – I'm old enough to remember the 80s, and I do not remember businessmen, like, at a hoity-toity Wall Street firm going to work no, in suit shorts. No, I'm so man. glad you saw that. It was so bizarre. <laughs> The other thing, uh, um, uh, talking about uh, whether or not movies could be made now and, and how things are so PC'd and, and this, that, and the third, one of the things that I kept tripping off of is all the wide shots that they show going into this this business. If you look at those shots, all you see are white people perforated through all, you know, all in the back. <laughs> uh-huh. But when they get to a close-up, like when they're in the elevator, dude, it, it looks like a, a, a meeting at the uh, United Nations. They made sure that there was a woman there and an Asian there and a black person there. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. That's it. <laughs> I, I do have a game that I like to play when I watch these movies. It's called Spot the Black Person. Yes. And <laughs> as you get further on into the 80s, you start to notice that they make more of an effort, but they still only put them in the background. Like we watched Mr. Mom and for one of our first episodes and the only time they used a black guy, he worked in a factory and he was the jive talking. Oh, Mr. Man. Oh man. Oh, that's some jive Turkey. Like literally that is what, how he and, and his name was either Tyrone or Jackson. It was sure. Tyrone. <laughs> Nothing says this character is supposed to be black like naming him Tyrone. Yes. <laughs> Especially in and the he's 80s. from the streets. Oh, yeah. He worked in the factory. He worked on the factory floor. Everyone else in the movie was like, had administrative jobs. He worked on the factory floor. But yeah, so so I played Spot the Black People in this movie, and, and you're right, but they were only background players and only in New York. They didn't go, there was no black folks in the Hamptons. No. I guess it's probably still no, like No, actually, that. there was. There was one sister that was in there. Oh, there. was there? Yes. Yeah, and it was right when they were getting off the boat, and she was, again, in the background. <laughs> she was she, she was hugging somebody. Oh, I and missed it. it. And it, it, it was like some executive producer was sitting on the set going, uh, you know, to keep them off our ass, let's just put a black person right there. <laughs> <laughs> somebody go get uh, LaToya out of craft service. A- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her to put that cornbread down. We need on set. Latoya, can you keep us from getting sued? We're not going to pay you, but. <laughs> but it's all the cornbread you can eat. All the cornbread. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. I also have uh, in this, during this part of the movie, in my notes, just the word pleats. Feets? Pleats. Like pants pleats. Oh, pleats. Yeah, okay. So many pleats in this movie. Everybody's pants are pleated. The skirts are pleated. It Just like 80s, those 80s, like, 
where you look like you have something in your pants because they're all poofy. Oh, the there's pastels flying yeah. everywhere. The oh, guys, the, uh, the so crochet much. ties with the, the, you know, that are, are um, uh, you know, rectangled at the bottom, you know, and, and then the, uh, the the jackets that they wear where the, the, the only structure to the jacket is these big poofy <laughs> shoulders. Shoulder pads. You know? <laughs> Jonathan Silver's shoulder pads were out of control in yes. this movie. They needed their own production credit. They were an entity unto themselves, and there was so much pink in this movie. And yes. I started just writing it down. Whenever I would see pink, I'd be like, pink, pink, pink. And every everything was pink. And people oh, had oh, there pink. was pastel flying. That that Everyone. was the 80s, though. That was the 80s, wasn't it? Thank that was the God. 80s, yeah. Thank God we lived through that. I don't know why these kids nowadays are trying to bring it back. I keep trying to tell them, you're going to regret it. You're going to regret, like, these fashion. We're going back to the 80s, this retro fashion hipster style. No. Oh, I've made it a point. Uh, my, my kids have seen all of my baby pictures in the 70s <laughs> and then all of my pictures once I got in my 20s, but they they have not seen anything from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I, I refuse to show the pictures of me in the white cotton uh, uh, linen suits. Oh, no, my no, goodness. Uh, uh, when the Miami Vice period was hot. Oh, <laughs> it was not. It was not hot. It was not hot. <laughs> So moving on, these guys, we, we meet Jonathan Silver's uh, love interest. She's a nice girl named Gwen. Uh, she She's interning at the company, uh, and they, they kind of have a back and forth. And then um, Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy go up to meet Bernie. Um, first, Jonathan Silverman makes up this excuse about his aunt. He, mm-hmm. He's trying to talk to the girl, like, he, he gets pushed into talking to the girl, and he doesn't know what to say, so he says, ah, oh, my aunt is very sick. And the reason I bring that up is because basically all he does is lie to this girl the yes. entire movie. Yes. And she ends up with him anyway. That's why I said Gwen has poor decision-making skills. Well, it, what was funny to me is that everybody in this movie, were, they weren't people. They were all caricatures. Yeah. Uh, uh, even when the guys were, uh, uh, when they saw Bernie, when he pulls up in the, uh, in his red Porsche and he gets out and of course he's got this beautiful woman with him and they're standing there at the lunch truck and the guys behind them, you know, they're construction workers. How do you know that? Because they're standing there with a construction (laughs) hat and they've got the tight shirts on and the Uh jeans and it's like, everybody's a caricature. Nobody's a real person. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were just lying, you know, lines on a piece of paper. That's and all, all of the women are either they're either secretaries mm-hmm. or they are t- trying as quickly as possible to, to, to give up loving to the men. Yeah. <laughs> they're beach babes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just beach babes and <laughs> yeah. And secretaries, which I guess is like the eighties in a nutshell, I guess. I don't know. Exactly. I was a business person in the eighties, but I feel like it probably wasn't that bad, but in this movie, yeah, this, this movie doesn't skimp on uh, bad stereotypes for sure. We we no we find out the guys. Um, I, I also have written down that this movie posits that drivers in New York City do nothing but honk at each other. <laughs> like in every scene in New York City, it's nonstop honking. <laughs> <laughs> either, either that, or there's garbage being picked up at yes! all times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this necessary? <laughs> what is this necessary 
to the plot, to the scene. Like, why on earth did the director feel it necessary to shoot an entire scene where a garbage truck picks up trash behind them? Garbage trucks are picking things up, cars are honking, and Hasidic Jews walk by for absolutely <laughs> no reason at all. It's New York. It's, it's to establish New York. It's New York. <laughs> <laughs> So these guys head up. That's when we meet Bernie, which is the great Terry Kaiser. I think, I think honestly, David, watching this, the only true joy I had watching this movie was watching him. I think that's probably his performance might be one of the most underrated physical performances of the 1980s. I mean, really, it's incredible what he did with his body in that movie. Well, I went and checked out Rotten uh, Tomatoes after I watched the movie just to kind of see what the uh, the critics were saying about it at the time. And that that's all any of them could talk about. Uh, for this to be such a strong physical comedy movie, mm-hmm. that dude gave his body up for the he role. He really did. He really And it's not as easy. People might think it was just as easy as him kind of going limp and then just mm-hmm. letting them do whatever. But it's not that easy. You know, he's got to make his body do certain things to fit into the script and still make it look like he's dead, you know? And, and I, I I was just getting ready to say, and even to be dead, he still had to be a character. Yes. Yeah, and he was. I, I yes. really think his performance was amazing. He found comedy in being dead. <laughs> he really did. And you know what I compared it to, David? I compared it to um, the, the performance of the guy who played Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Mm. It was mm-hmm. that kind of physicality. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought, you know, and it kind of went under the radar and still does. But uh, we meet Bernie and we, he's an asshole. And he mm-hmm. has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of clues that help us to know he's an asshole. Like, for one, he doesn't remember their names. Of course not. Right. So we know he's an asshole. Also, he does coke in the bathroom. You know what? I, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to mention that I found that very interesting that they alluded to him snorting cocaine, but they made it a point not to, you know, show that he snorted cocaine or even have drugs laying around anywhere at all. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was um, for the censors to get the people I was to get the rating? certainly going to say, yep, they wanted to, uh, I bet you they wanted to keep that rating right around. I think it got a PG or PG-13. They didn't want to get the R. I was going to ask if they had ratings at that time. I can't remember. Uh, well, uh, according to Rotten, Tato- Rotten Tomatoes, it was a PG PG thirteen okay. movie. But what was funny is, you, you, and I'm jumping ahead, but oh, go I, ahead, I, you know, go ahead. But uh, the, the women uh, in the their bikinis, they were practically naked. Yeah. So you can get a PG rating for nudity, mm-hmm. but you can't sell drugs. You can't show drugs. That was the '80s in a nutshell, <laughs> wasn't it? There was titties in this movie. Yes. There was well, '80s titties in not, this not, movie. Not bare. I, I never drooled when I was watching this, so there wasn't no bare titty. But no, they might have. They might have alluded to titty. Wasn't the scene where the girlfriend uh, has sex with Bernie? Didn't I not? Did I not see her tits in that? I, I, I think you I think you imagined it. I maybe did. I maybe you did. Might have and, and actually, yeah, you're, you're jumping ahead to a moment, and I'll, I'll wait till you yeah, get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We will get that there. That was hilarious. We will get there. <laughs> and we'll talk about some inappropriate stuff. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, and then, so basically, just to wrap up that part, they, they show Bernie the numbers. Basically, the plot is Bernie knows he's the one that has stolen this money to pay off the mob. And so right. he realizes he needs to have them 
taken care of. So he invites them to his home um, in the Hamptons for the weekend. Um, he says he's throwing a party, but really he wants to have them killed. So, of course, they're very excited. Uh, and then we, we have this uh, scene where Jonathan Silverman tries to put the moves on Gwen. He takes her out on a date. I, I have pink. This is another uh, part of the movie where my notes just say pink. I think it was his apartment. <laughs> the apartment there was like, the couches were pink. I think there was like pink counter. There was pink cupboards. He had pink on, um, and he took her home. And here's another instance where our protagonist, this guy that we're supposed to like, is a complete asshole. Yes. He lies to Gwen, tells her that he lives alone when he doesn't. He lives with his parents. And then when his dad walks in on them making out. In in his boxer shorts. In his boxer shorts, because there's nothing funnier than an old fat man in boxer shorts. And and nothing says dad like somebody walking around in just their drawers. Yeah, at night, (laughs) scratching his belly on his way to the fridge for some water. (laughs) Ugh. And then when she notices him, he's like, oh, that's my butler or something, mm-hmm. you know? And then, of course, he, the dad was on his way out, walking back to the bedroom. And instead of just letting the dad go and letting the girl like, oh, okay, yeah, that's your butler. Uh, he says something rude to the dad. I'm like, dude, uh-huh. why did you just let him go back to the room? He was going to go back to the room and you could have kept up your lie. But then the dad's like, what the hell are you talking about? And then all blows up. So case number two where Rich lies to this lovely young lady who seems nothing but kind and trusting. Uh, uh, very kind and trusting, which was the other point that I was going to make up. Because as a director, I always look at things from a director's standpoint. It, it, one, we jump past the, the scene where Bernie's talking to the mob guy mm-hmm. uh, to tell the mob guy that, you know, hey, these folks have kind of discovered something, so we need to have them killed. But ultimately, the mob guy ends up wanting to have Bernie killed because the mob guy's woman is, you know, uh, a foot screwing him up underneath the table there. Yeah, that's right. And and then, you know, she chases him out to the car and, you know, she's throwing her leg all around. And it's like all the women in this movie, all they want to do is either screw the guys or their secretaries, one of the two. They're just horny. Exactly. That's all they are, horny. Even even, even with the guy lying to her and taking yeah. her to a cheap restaurant and everything. Oh, I can get past that because yeah. I just I can't give you this loving fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. In what world? Hey, dude, I did well in the '80s, but come on, <laughs> they weren't tossing yeah. it like that. Yeah, no, and not. <laughs> Jonathan, not for the Jonathan Silvermans of the world. Hell no. <laughs> no. No, but you're right. Like, that scene with the mob boss's girlfriend, I mean, she practically jumps him. And they're right outside. That's the thing. Like, he's just come from a meeting with the mobster. The mobster's inside the office building, and Bernie is parked right out front of the office building. And this girl just comes up to him like, Boyney, Boyney, oh, Boyney. <laughs> oh, Boyney, I'm so horny. Oh, Boyney. <laughs> and- but, uh, but, but don't be tricked by, by, by the psychology of the image, imagery. It's, it's not just him. It's him standing in front of the Porsche. So it's this idea of if you're a rich guy, oh, the women just want to throw it at you. Yeah. And you know what? That's kind of true, though. 
You're not going to deny that. I know. It's true. Because, you know, I, I live here in Southern California, and being in, like, the Hollywood culture, you, you really do see that. Like, I have a friend who is, I'm not even, I can't even say what he does in the industry, because someone will know who I'm talking about. But he, okay. he does something that he's well known for in the industry, and people would know his name if I said it out loud. And he's not, okay. like, the most attractive person but he has Hollywood, like 20, and this guy's like in his 60s, and he has 20-year-old girl. Every time I see him, he's got a different 20-year-old girl on his arm and in his bed, you know, and they'll stay with him for a couple of weeks, and then they'll kind of move on. I don't know if he does something for them, gets some jobs, or if he just gets tired of them or whatever, but, you know, it's just because of what he does in the industry and 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 the money that he has so i see it it happens what does he do porn no oh oh okay right. no 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 <laughs> no he's like a legit i can't even say his job because some mutual friends will know who i'm talking about and i don't want to like hurt his feelings or anything but but yeah he yeah because you did just say he was ugly <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> I'm such I mean, a good friend. You said it as politely as you could, <laughs> but you did just say dude was ugly. So I mean, yeah, I, a, I don't think I would life. reference him. He's had a hard life. How about I say that? <laughs> He's had a hard life, and I'm not even mad at him. You know, because hell, if you got the money, you know why not? If, if as long as everybody agrees on the situation. Shit, I guess to your point, you know, the, if you've got the money, looks don't mean a damn thing. They really don't. I agree. Don't, not, don't not people that have to have to be attractive for the poor. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a catch-22 because then it's really, it costs a lot of money to look attractive. Yes. So, yeah, it's a tough, it's, it's a rough go out there. All right, well, let's, let's keep moving forward because now we're, let's uh, skip ahead. We'll, we'll move to the island. Because now Rich and uh, Larry catch the ferry to the island. They're super excited. What I love about this, David, is that they're going to the Hamptons. But there is uh, cheesy reggae music under every Hampton scene. Yes. Yeah, yes. They get up the boat and it's like, yeah, man. Boop, 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 pajama. It's like all these white people in the Hamptons. But it's <laughs> reggae music. I like. And, and everyone wears sunglasses. Everyone. Everybody. Everyone, Everyone has sunglasses on. But that is, you know, that's that's very LA. Like here, everybody wears sunglasses all the time. And um, I went to DC recently, uh, or last winter, and I brought my sunglasses with me because the sun comes out in the winter, you know. And here, we just wear them around all the time. I guess maybe because there's always sun. And I was wearing my sunglasses around, and I was walking around downtown DC and realized. I'm the only person wearing sunglasses. I'm like, I look like a douchebag. <laughs> but I think that's just a very LA thing. Like we all people wear them all the time here. But I realized, oh yeah, that it, it's douchey. Yeah, it looks douchey. People pointing at you, tourist. Look yeah, at the tourist. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. It's like how that's how we look at people who come out here and wear shorts in January. Like, oh, oh yeah, God, no. yeah. All right, so they get to the island, and um, we've got the, mu I called it Muzak, reggae music. And uh, we see we see Bernie, he's setting up the hit, and this is where we find out, um, this is finally where we get to Dead Bernie. And this is mm -hmm. about an hour into the movie. 
Okay, yes. I think it was like 45 minutes. And I it was excruciating to get there. We're having more fun talking about it than it actually was writing or watching it. Yes. Uh, and so finally, you know, the hitman comes and the hitman comes in and he kills Bernie in his seat in his office. And that's when Rich and Larry come on, come upon Bernie. They, they come into the house, they're calling out for him and they find Bernie dead in his chair. Takes him a few minutes to realize he's dead. Again, I have written in my notes so much pink. In <laughs> Bernie's house, the couches are pink. The walls are pink. The people in the house are wearing pink. The pillows are pink. The uh, vases everywhere is pink. And the artwork on the wall is pink. <laughs> it's the 80s, man. It's I the know. 80s. I was like, oh, my gosh. The world was pastel oh. from 1980 through 1989. It was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so thank goodness that they use answering machines, too. I, I feel like this movie couldn't get made nowadays simply because we don't use answering machines anymore so the answering Uh, machine recorded the hitman you know (laughs) talking to bernie and saying that he you know bernie asking him to kill these two guys uh it accidentally recorded that which obviously would not happen because we don't use answering machines anymore uh (laughs) yeah but um so we see Bernie, they they, uh, they find Bernie, let's see, what do I have here? I said Bernie's house sounds like, uh, sounds like Costco. There's so much echo in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? There's like so, so much echoing. Well, that, that, that is to, to, you know, showcase the large, the vastness of it, you I know, once so. again, to, to kind of showcase how rich he was. Well, he was... He's got a, a house so large that just speaking it, it has an echo. I know, but from a filmmaker's point of view, I'm like, God, what sound person let that happen? It's terrible. Now, what's funny to me is, you know, once, uh, because evidently what happens up there in the Hamptons, you know, if, if you move like three minutes further into the story, what happens in the Hamptons evidently is that uh, the, the rich people on this island just kind of house hop. They just, they just kind of right. roam from house to house and yes. then random parties just break out. Yes. But uh, the point that's hilarious to me is that these rich people are so self-indulged that they don't recognize that they're talking to a dead man. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because I was reading up on this movie and that was one of the, I read an analysis of this movie and that was one of the things that the analysis said. It said some people, I think it was taking it a little bit too seriously, but it said some people say that this movie is really a commentary on the self-indulgent nature of the 1980s. That all Mm. of these people uh, are so self-absorbed that they don't even notice that their friend needs help. You know? They don't even notice. Yeah. So... See how my director gene he just kicks in on, out of nowhere. He picked up on the deeper meaning of Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> There's got to be some kind of award for that. <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting. Um, I do have in my notes here that uh, I think the first scene we see, like, as the party's starting to kind of roll into Bernie's, right? And the guys decide, all right, this is when they decide we need to drag Bernie around and pretend he's still alive. That's the only way we're going to stay alive because the hitman... As long as he thinks Bernie's alive and we're with him, he's not going to kill us. Right. So they they hatch that plan and they bring Bernie downstairs. And the first person that comes in is this girl, one of the beach babes. Um, and she th- those thong bikinis 
I don't even know what to say. I mean, they look like they hurt. They're so <laughs> <laughs> they're so high cut. <laughs> the cut is so high. <laughs> Well, I, I can only empathize. I, I can't say I understand, <laughs> but I, I do know what you're talking about. And and the funny thing is, you know, if, if I go back to uh, juvenile, uh, uh, teenage uh, Dave Johnson, which is, you know, where I was at the time that the movie came out, I'm sure I had a totally different response than I had <laughs> at 46-year-old Dave Johnson because I'm sitting here watching, and I actually got uncomfortable for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because it, it was almost like she just walked in naked. It was it was weird. <laughs> I'm like, that is not a bikini, you, lady. You're naked. I think this is what happens when you become a parent. Uh, it, 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 yeah. That's the other thing. Yes. Yeah. You start think you start looking at young people a lot differently. Like, oh no, cover up, honey. You know, like, yes. this is inappropriate. <laughs> you know, I, I I listen to my husband talk about like he he'll see. What I would think a, a man, a normal man would be like eyes bugging out over, you know, some chick he sees on TV, like some hot young chick in skimpy uh-huh. clothes. But his response is not that. His response is like, somebody let her go out like that. Somebody cover up that girl. Like, he can't it's, stand it's, it. it th- that's a real phenomenon. I, I have an internal uh, age meter. Uh-huh. And at, at a certain, if I see somebody and they seem to resemble a certain age, it, a, a different kind of me clicks in. It's, yeah. it's no longer an, an ogling me, but it's a good, put some damn clothes on me. <laughs> yeah, that's because you're a decent person. Unfortunately, not everyone has that, that <laughs> voice in their heads. But uh, yeah, it was funny. But that girl, she walked in and she had on, she had, so she had on that high cut bikini. She had on LA gear sneakers. Yes. And slouch socks. And she said, we're going on the boat. Do you want to come on the boat with us? And I'm like, what the hell kind of boat is she going on in her tennis shoes and slouch socks? She was about to go jazzercise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure Olivia Newton-John was going to show up (laughs) with her headband. And and they were going to sweat to the 80s, Jay. She did have her scrunchie (laughs) in. She was ready. She was ready. And then the party, like, streams in. All these yeah. people show up out of nowhere. Just randomly. No, I said, I think I said, um, I have it in my, let me find in my notes. Oh, I did see it. I do have spot the black person. There's one black dude at the party. Yes. <laughs> I did have that <laughs> in my notes. I said, I said, this party looks like every single person on the island suddenly decided to drop what they were doing at that very moment and go to Bernie's for a party because there's like someone in their pajamas. There's someone in their chef outfit. There's someone in their tennis gear. Like there's someone in their racing gear. There's someone in their horse riding gear, like whatever they were doing five minutes before that. And someone was like, it's time to go to Bernie's. And then they just like walked out of wherever, whatever job they were doing. His his trainers show up. uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's just random. Yeah. 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 So, um, so they the the guys have an argument over dragging this dead body around, and I actually was uh, um, pretty impressed by how reasonable Andrew McCarthy made sounding. You know, he made it sound reasonable to drag a body around for a whole weekend. <laughs> you know, his thing was, "Well, we could." You know, I was like, "Oh, yeah, he makes it sound like a reasonable proposition." <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, uh, um, what what what's the other guy's name? Not uh, McCarthy, but the other guy. Jonathan Silverman. Uh, Silverman. Yeah, he was so. Keep in mind, because uh, remember, his girlfriend showed up on the island, mm-hmm. and it, it was at that point, you know, because he was trying to make amends for, you know, the ass that he had made out of himself in dragging her to his parents' house to try to make out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now he had a vested interest in staying on that island because he was he was trying to make good with her. So when when McCarthy right. starts, uh, you know, hatching this plan as to, you know, uh, uh, making people believe that uh, that Bernie was alive because it benefited him, mm-hmm. uh, S- Silverman had a reason to go ahead and kind of go with it. Right. The dead guy will lose to the hot girl every time. That's every time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> Again, if you go into real life metaphors, we, we do that <laughs> at the club. You know, you're there with your friend. Your friend's drunk as hell. You probably need to take him home before he hurts himself. <laughs> but hey, you see a hot girl. So you know what? It, 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 do luck. it the best way you can, yeah. bro. <laughs> Let me know if you get home. <laughs> it's true. Text text me, man. Text me. <laughs> That's guy code. And the thing is, guys don't hold that against each other either. Like, chicks, we will remember that shit. And we will bring that up every time we fight with each other. You left me in the club and I was drunk and you didn't even take me home. But, like, guys will be like, yeah, whatever. We completely understand. If, if it's over some good sex, yeah. no, uh-uh. <laughs> just just crawl your ass into the bathroom stall and lay there in the urine. Yeah, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. But yeah. she was hot. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Guys have the guy code. It's true. And so I love this scene though because they go on this really romantic walk on the beach. Like meanwhile, they've tossed Bernie over the side right. of the of the deck. So he's yeah, now uh-huh. laying on the beach. And and Jonathan Silverman goes on this romantic walk on the beach with Gwen, which I'm like amazed at how her sweater stays on her shoulders the whole uh. time. <laughs> I was just like, that's amazing. It hasn't moved at all. That's like with, with, with the wind coming yeah, off the yeah. ocean. Yeah, she's but, moving but that around. Sweater stays right there. It's perfect. And um and then um, they stop to sit by the water and then they kind of have a little makeout scene. And if you look at the way it's shot, they are literally sitting in the water. Like right. the DP must have, he wanted that angle and he couldn't get the waves and them in the shot. So right. obviously he had to do a little trick of the eye. But I mean, if you look closely, they're literally sitting in the ocean and the waves. I, I was just thinking as an actor, how uncomfortable that scene would be. And then he lays her down and they actually right. like are making out as the water. Like, and they have, they're not in swimsuits or anything. And, and it, but it's some of the worst kissing. It, that, oh, that yeah, kissing was, I did, you didn't buy it. No, it was very, yeah. It was very chaste and very uncomfortable to watch, yeah, I, actually. I mean, almost like you wondered whether or not the actors really liked each other. Yeah. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. It really was terrible. And then driving me crazy on top of that was just knowing that they were wet. Like, that they were, like, soaking. <laughs> that their jackets probably had salt water and sand in them. And they had to act like they were. That's probably part of it, too. That was I think probably... maybe in your prior life you died on the Titanic or something. So something about being cold and wet just is doing something <laughs> it's to <gross>. you. <laughs> it makes me sick. Um, and then, of course, Bernie washes up next to them while they're making out. 
Which uh, at that point is where the comedy starts to kick in for me. That's that's where the money, the movie starts to get funny, because the irreverence that they have for this man, this dead man. <laughs> <laughs> Because from here, it just gets bad for Birdie. <laughs> it does. Well, what if it isn't in this scene, because this is where she finally hears what's going on, right? Isn't this where he tell, she sees Bernie, or does he get her away? Oh, 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 no, 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 no. No, when, when they're down on the beach and, and Bernie washes up on the, uh, on the, on the sand there, he, he gets her out of there. Oh, right, right, okay. And, and then it's at that point that uh, the mobsters woman shows up. And that's where we get to the funniest moment in the movie. Uh, oh, this is where I was like, I don't know if I can keep watching this movie. Who approved this scene? The dead mobsters, well, Bernie's girlfriend comes in. She's from New York, too. She's from New York. Sassy. I'm yeah, looking for Boiny. I'm looking for Boiny. <laughs> she, she, she's mad. They, they have... They have put Bernie upstairs on the bed. Now, at this point, I would be saying to myself, Bernie's been, th- we don't know how long he's been dead. Hours. He's been At least a day. At least, at least a, day. a day. 12 hours at least. He's been in the hot sun. He has been thrown from a balcony, like 30 feet into the sand. He has soaked in the ocean. And now he is laying in bed, dripping wet, decomposing. Like, this is the point where I would say, I'm uncomfortable with this. Smelling of seaweed. Yeah. It just, you know, it's gross. It's gross. And this woman proceeds to go upstairs. And, of course, they just know she that they're, they're caught. The, the gig is up now. This girl's going to walk into that bedroom. She's going to see Bernie. And she's gonna realize he's dead, and then they're toast. But that's not what happens. You, you tell us, tell the listeners at home, David, what happens? I, can, well, I she, can't say it. She, she, well, well, she goes upstairs, and, and she's she's got a knife, and she's angrily going up the stairs because she's concerned that Bernie is possibly up there cheating with her, cheating on her. And uh, when she comes in the bedroom, she's so relieved to find that, that he's not cheating that she she throws her coat off and um, she has sex with him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like really loud, like <laughs> orgasmics. Not, not only does she have sex, but she comes downstairs and says it's the best it's ever been. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I mean, it's really no, hard. She, to she's move. got this one moment where she's coming down the stairs and she, it's almost like she can't walk, dude. And it, Bernie put in the best work of his life <laughs> in his death. It was, no, she's, she's smoking a cigarette. Yeah, day. yeah. It was really hard to move on from that scene. Because I swear for the next 15 minutes, all I kept thinking was like, how? You know, Dude, th- this is what's funny. This is what's funny. And, and, and in the theme of, uh, you know, could this, this movie be made today? That is one of those scenes. I guarantee you in 2016, they would have cut out. Yeah. They would have cut that. It would have ended up on the DVD, maybe on an extras reel or something like that. But there's no way in the world they would have allowed that. 
in a, in a movie in 2016, and it's the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the one scene that I remembered the most from this movie. You know, Some like, I was waiting the whole movie for people's rights, uh, necrophilic oh, society. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody would have kicked in and had a problem with that scene. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it oh. is so twistedly hilarious. It really is. I mean, and it's just, I like, I keep, like, do you think that he was hard when he died? And then maybe his dick just, like, stayed hard because your body, like, freezes wait, or was it rigor mortis or you, you got it, 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 it you, you go stiff okay. you know we, 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 yeah, you go you go stiff and I'm, I'm sure everything goes stiff so he he was probably uh he, he was good it's <laughs> <laughs> oh. good to go <laughs> you don't have to worry about any premature ejaculation or anything like that he's just he was hey Isn't we can it, do this all night i don't care he I'm was dead. probably so cold too <laughs> So you're making it worse. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I'm very uncomfortable. It took me a while to recover from this scene. Oh, 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 I went, oh, I went back and watched it two, three times. It, 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 was, it was one of those moments, like I said, I couldn't remember why I enjoyed this movie so much when I was a kid. Uh, because of the first hour and it, it drags so much and then when once they got to when bernie died and what they did with this man's dead body dude that's when the movie kicks in that that's it when is. the beauty of this movie kicks in it really is and they needed to get to that sooner because that is the movie these guys honestly the two main characters are not very interesting at all and right. uh, they tried to give them this kind of Abbott and Costello relationship, like the straight guy and the, you know, the comedic relief. But they really weren't that interesting. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I agree. Yeah. The, the meat of the movie is is with Bernie and the scenes with Bernie. And as sick as the concept is, you know, there are a lot of laughs. And like we said earlier, Terry Kaiser is really amazing in this, you know, <laughs> and what he can make you believe that he's doing i mean I, I can't imagine the amount of energy it took him <laughs> to to be on to, set to play dead yeah. yes well even just like if you notice his face is frozen in this smirk like he must have had a headache at the end of every day he had mm. to keep that hold that smirk for you know 12 14 mm. hours of shooting every day mm. um but after this um what happens is everybody goes to sleep and that's why I'm like, there's a dead body upstairs. How do you the, just go to sleep? The worms go in, the worms I go know. out. <laughs> do you not worry that it's, I would be thinking all night long, uh, it's probably slowly decomposing. Like, I need to get this body out before it starts to stink. Oh, oh no, it, it gets worse by the next day. No, they, yeah. they, yes. And then the next day, what does Andrew McCarthy do? Well, what any of us would do with a dead body, he pulls it out into the hot sun and has drinks with it. Well, well, he's got to make the people believe it, that, that Bernie's still alive. But, you know, Bernie being alive uh, uh, has value to Andrew at this point. It does, but he's drinking and eating by him. And there's flies. Oh, and playing around, Monopoly and with him. playing Monopoly with him. And we didn't really mention the hitman. He's kind of a running gag in this movie because he is convinced that Bernie's alive. He keeps thinking he's killed Bernie. So he, you know, he sees Bernie the first time he sees Bernie. The guys are dragging him around 
and he freaks out. He comes back and he strangles Bernie when Bernie's on the right. beach. Of course, Bernie's already dead. We know this. But then he sees comes by and he sees him again and he's playing Monopoly with Andrew McCarthy and he's like, this is crazy. Like, he feels like he's going crazy because he keeps trying to kill Bernie and it seems like Bernie's not dying. And the, I, the, the strangulation scene is another, again, going back to what you talked about, that act, and another brilliant moment because just just in his lifeless flailing, it looks like he's actually fighting back against the dude yes. while he's choking him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And there's a lot of that, a lot of those beats in this movie, like where he has to cross his legs, where he has to like look like he's got his arm around someone. He has to look like he's nodding his head. You know, uh-huh. all of that stuff is it's it takes a it really takes a certain skill level. And like I say, I think it went underappreciated. But I love that the hitman was so very committed to his disguises. He was like oh, all yes. in. <laughs> he was all in on the priest, and then he was a captain. Uh, yeah, he was all in. I love that he was so committed. Um, let's see, what do I have? And how Andrew McCarthy, in order to convince the world that Bernie was still alive, he, he ends up tying, he ends up turning him into a puppet mm-hmm. and, and tying strings to him. And, and then when people come by and say, hi, Bernie, you know, he pulls the string and his, his hand gets to wave. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I think it was, I think it was about... Let me look at my notes here, but I think it was about this point where I wrote down, this movie is literally making me sick. <laughs> I was getting very ill watching it. And, uh, and there's at one point, like, Bernie's back on the beach and this kid buries him. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what what do I have here? Oh, this is where Gwen finally, they let Gwen in on the joke, or on the secret. She comes to talk to Bernie, because she wants to say thank you for the summer internship and maybe get a job. And then they finally have to tell her that Bernie is dead. Uh-huh. And if what I would do in that case, knowing that Jonathan Silverman lied to me the first time we went out, lied to me the second time we went out and now has actually been dragging a dead body around for the entire weekend and I made out with him, I would leave and call the police. But that's not what Gwen does. She she becomes recruited in this plan. Now, Jonathan Silverman, up to this point, has done nothing to endear anyone to him. He's done nothing to earn any kind of grace or you know goodwill he's a terrible person Indeed. <laughs> but Gwen you know poor decision making skills mm. poor decision making skills this is, I think I, I wrote at this point too this is where I was like you know this movie is a lot slower than I uh, than I remember but she comes in and well again her purpose is really more than anything else just to push the plot along Sure. You know, you know, you you, you need somebody because it, as an audience member, you're sitting there and you're going, OK, well, why does this guy just call the police? Why doesn't he just call the police? And that's that's why she's right. the reason why he doesn't call the police. Right. Because he, he wants to still get with her because he wants his woman. Yes. Yeah. Because hot girl beats dead guy every time. <laughs> but it gets, every time. it gets worse because because then there there's this whole big scene when she comes in and then the gardener comes in and the hitman comes in and they like 
they think the gardener is a hitman and they Jonathan Silverman smashes a vase over his head. I mean, that's very dangerous. He could have killed that guy. It's played for comedy. I'm like, oh, great. Now you can add a soul to this list of <laughs> charges. And she sees all this. This is the thing. Like, she's seeing all of this. He's done nothing good so far. He's done nothing good at all. Don't forget, uh, again, the second funniest <laughs> portion of the movie to me, which is right before the scene that you're describing right now, when uh, the kid buries <laughs> Bernie in the sand. They, they dig him out of the sand, and they try to get the sand off of him by vacuuming yeah. the sand off of him. Uh-huh. As they vacuum across his hair, it it pulls his hair off, and they realize he wears a toupee this whole time. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, Andrew McCarthy oh. staples the toupee back to his head. Like that turned my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> that turned my stomach. But see, that's one of those moments where either you're gonna go with the joke or yeah. you're not gonna go with the joke. Either either you're gonna go ahead and say, okay. Fine. The rest of this movie is about the things that they do with this dead body. Yeah. And either yeah. you're going to be okay with it or you're not going to be okay. With yeah, you got to go balls to the wall. You got to commit to it or, yeah, it's true. You're right. And they did. I do have in my notes at that that same um, scene when the there's a kid um, and then he comes in and he's got that toy gun. He comes into yes. the house and he's got the toy gun. And, um, and they tell him to take off or whatever. I just have white privilege written down there. I was like, if that kid was black, he'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, he wouldn't even need a toy gun. He just needs his, you know, two fingers and a pew, pew. Just kill him, kill him. hoodie, yeah. <laughs> Gone. I was like, oh, white privilege. <laughs> what the hell is he doing in the Hamptons? Kill him. Yes. <laughs> Clearly he's here to steal. How did he get off the boats? <laughs> <laughs> Who let him on the boat in the first place? <laughs> yeah, that scene really escalated. Like, it just went from, yeah, they were hitting people over the head left and right. And then we moved to the, now we're kind of creeping into the end here. And there's a chase scene and they got to run away from the hitman with Bernie. And uh, they they get to Bernie's boat. They figure they've missed the ferry. And, of course, the hitman's on the ferry He's satisfied right. he's killed Bernie, and then there's another little beat in there where he sees the guys running around with Bernie, and he's like, ah, oh, and he goes nuts, because he can't believe, I can't kill this guy. But uh, then Rich and Larry drag Bernie onto the onto Bernie's boat. They, they steal his boat. And this boat scene was interminable. It <laughs> never it seemed like it was never going. It was so long, and they did not go anywhere. <laughs> it was so wait, long. But in a movie that's about the mistreatment of a dead body, <laughs> how can you go wrong with dragging that dead body behind the boat? You can't go wrong with that. They had to make that happen. And, and wait a minute, the two scenes. <laughs> Which was banging Bernie up against the the dinghies as they were going by. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one was using him as a life preserver. Yes. <laughs> so <that they> could... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Bernie is. I have written in my notes. Uh, um, Bernie is Bernie getting bloated yet? <laughs> like, <that's disgusting. laughs> 
became the, the most anywhere. amazing prop. He was the most amazing prop for any movie. He really was. He really was. I yeah. And they and they just ended up it all. It was just an excuse to do more stuff to Bernie because yes. they didn't go anywhere. They didn't get to off the island. They had to turn back, you know, or they had to you know float back on Bernie when the boat crashed. So yeah, it was just oh, a big the, nothing. The bit burger. worked so well. They 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 were able to to put a whole. They, they came out with um, Weekend with Bernie too. The bit worked so well, they were able to do a whole no- a whole other movie on it. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have written down here, there is so much ADR in this movie. There is so much um, sound recording, like, yes. after the fact. There's yes. so many ADR lines in this movie. It's crazy. I don't know what was up with that or if they – I feel like they added a lot in after the fact because they realized – that there might be not enough explanation as to why these people are doing this stuff. So mm. they had their like ADR little lines in there, like turn them out or do this way or, Oh, I forgot this. Or it's just very strange. I, I, I didn't care for it, but hmm. yeah, I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, well, I, I did. Well, I picked up on it um, uh, very early in the movie with the, uh, the mafia guy. There was, there was something and I was like, wow, they had to loop that scene. And I couldn't understand why, Mm-hmm. But but I didn't I didn't trip off of it with the uh, on the boat sequence though. Yeah, it was so noisy. And I can imagine in something like that, you would, you definitely can't capture sound on the fly. Right. Right. Uh, uh, you know, as you're standing out on a beach, you got wind and everything else. Yeah. But there was a lot, like even in the scenes where the party scenes, like a lot of the background, like lines would jump out at you. You know, like you'd hear somebody say something in the background or. Or like, oh hey Bernie, thanks for the great party. You don't see the person, but you hear, you know, you hear them. There's a lot of that. It, the going the on. sound being flown in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Oh, hey Bernie, I'll see you at the car lot. I got that Maserati set aside for you. You know, I don't know, just lines like that. That was weird. But um, we come back, and of course Gwen is there to help them. She's very persistent. Uh, this is, you know, this is when you leave, honey. This is when you leave. She is still. <laughs> Well, I have to agree with you. I'm like, going back to your point, there's nothing that dude has done that would make her go, ah, he's somebody I, you know, should be endeared to. Yeah. <laughs> he's done but, nothing. But, but she keeps coming back. His ver- their very first interaction was a lie. He said, my aunt is dead, which was weird anyway. But that was like the first thing that came out of his mouth because I guess he was awkward. From the very beginning, everything he told her was a lie. He didn't. And he didn't do any. He didn't even take her to a nice restaurant, you know. Like he didn't even take her out to a nice dinner. The dinner was it was a uh, uh, something Hunan's. What what was it? It was it was something that sounded horrible. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up too because it it was a uh, the Hasidic Hunan or it was something oh, yeah. that was so <laughs> overtly yeah. racist against Jewish people. <laughs> right. <laughs> I even he even made a comment, didn't he? Like I guess Jews. Jews have to eat. I guess Jews like Chinese food, even when it's not Christmas or something. Like he made some allude. He alluded to the fact that Jews eat Chinese food on Christmas, and <laughs> and that they like to eat it at other times during the year or something. I don't. Again, it wasn't funny. Uh, uh, this things you could never do in two thousand. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So she gets there, and uh, th they finally prove to her that Bernie's dead because Andrew McCarthy just drags him down the stairs like a double <laughs> In my notes here, maybe you can remind me, David, because I can't remember. I saw this movie last week, so some of the scenes are a little vague to me. But I have, I giggled during the phone cord wrapping scene. You know <laughs> what that is? Remind that's me. A, that, that's a, um, uh, after uh, she gets there, and again, you know, they, they prove to her that Bernie is indeed dead. The... Um, uh, the hitman shows up for the coup de grace. Right? <laughs> he, he comes through the door and he's got a gun this time. He's gonna make sure Bernie's dead, and so he kills Bernie for what the fourth time, fifth uh -huh. time in this movie. And uh, uh, so now it's the th this is where uh, Weekend at Bernie's turns into your typical. You saw it a lot in the '80s movies. It happened in. Um, uh, what was that? Uh, uh, something in Beverly Hills with Nick Nolte. Um, oh, um, uh, I I remember. I I was just looking at that movie the other day. Actually. But it was yeah. a bunch of '80s movies that did this, where right there in the last 10, 15 minutes, it just turned into where you almost had the music. It just it this very high physical comedy. Down and so out, the, Beverly Hills. Yes, yeah, down yeah. and out in Beverly yeah. Hills. So the hitman shows up and and he's trying to well he's trying to kill Bernie and he's trying to kill the guys and they end up wrapping him up in a uh, a telephone cord there. Uh, Andrew McCarthy wraps him up in a telephone cord and I, I guess you've got to be talking about the part where he tried to move Bernie's foot and it accidentally kicks him in the balls. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. So, uh, uh, again, you know, the, going back to what you were talking about with that actor and his physical performance, even as a dead person, he's managing to find humor in this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where I had, like, I had a genuine giggle at that moment. Yeah. yeah. And basically, this is kind of the, the, the end of the movie. Um, they, they, the cops come, you know, they, they catch the bad guy. Um, mm -hmm. And Rich gets the girl. And Amazingly is, enough, he gets the girl. So after dragging a dead guy around all weekend, lying about literally everything, assaulting two guys in front of her and making her an accessory to covering up a crime, she goes off with this guy uh, in, in, in a scantily clad bathing suit, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. High cut. <laughs> the, the yes, uh, the, uh, women's vaginas in the eighties. <laughs> they were very high. Had, it had to need a lot of lanolin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just like, I think you know what? I don't like Gwen. I think Gwen is Gwen is you know uh, the anti-feminist. She is just yes. There's, she but has again, no... like I said, that was all the women in this movie. All of the women in this movie were, were subjugated to men in some kind of way. Yeah, they, they no, none of them had secretary any... Secretary or... Yeah, none of them had any... Any agency. Yeah, they none. were... Yeah, yeah. None of them <laughs> their, made the decisions Their purpose for was to propel the story of the men. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, Gwen... 
Oh, the other thing. So at the end, they I, that's when they finally call the cops, right? And the cops come, and I guess they sort all this out. But, like, then Gwen and Rich and Larry, they just, like, walk off. The cops don't question them. The cops don't take them in. Like, you've been dragging a dead body around for the weekend. I'm sure there's something illegal, at least even in that. Well, I don't know how smart the cops were. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, the the guy that was supposed to be the cop looked like a damn forest ranger. He shows up with the Smokey the Bear hat on. And <laughs> yeah. I again, guess... going back to what I was saying, everybody's a, everybody's a caricature in there. They're, they're, they're not real people. Yeah. I think the most real person in this movie was the dead guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he had the most life. In this movie, he had the most and, layers. <laughs> and, and and could still satisfy him, evidently. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the dead guys, yeah, had it going on in this movie for sure. Yeah, you're right. Everybody was a, a caricature. And then, of course, we set up uh, a possible for a sequel, which did happen um, when the friends are all finally relieved to be sitting on the beach together, laughing about their crazy adventures and who should roll up next to them. But Burn. Birdie! <laughs> no! With, with, with a smirk. Roll credits. <laughs> did, now, I never saw Weekend of Bernie's 2. Did you see it? I, I want to say I did. And I want to say I saw it one time and never went back to it. It it, it did not have the the magic. It, like I said, it it was a it was a one trick pony. It, it was you know it was great for what it was in the first movie. And even in that, uh, uh, what is this? Thirty years later, going back and looking at it, you realize, man, the first half of this movie was absolutely horrible. Yeah, it was really but, boring. But the bits they were able to make work with this dead body, uh, <laughs> they, they, they were just hilarious. It's not enough to uh, to have made the second movie work, but um, for for this movie, uh, as much I, I found myself being upset with myself that I laughed as much as I laughed <laughs> with some of the things that they were doing with Bernie. But no, uh, no, yeah, no, there were some genuine. <laughs> You know, moments in this movie of of laughter. And like I said, I think it's just really all based on Terry Kaiser's performance, really. Well, I think he's the, the, the guy the that two, made that, yeah. The two guys sitting down there listening to that woman making love to the dead guy. And the look on their face, again, stuff that flew completely over my head when I was mm-hmm. a teenager. <laughs> that I look at now and I understand <laughs> Yeah. Is she really fucking the dead yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like like at that point you, you can't do it. It's like, dude, we we we're all chips in at this point. She just screwed the dead guy. Yeah. We gotta figure out a way to make this work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was really a bold scene. I mean, yes. it really was ballsy for them to keep that scene in it there. It never would it never would have showed up in 2016. It it ended up on right. a deal. Could we make this movie in 2016? I think you know somewhere with with social media and the ability for so many different people to get together and form groups. I I think you can offend just about anybody. Mhm. And uh there's enough uh, people that could get together. There would be some dead guys 
union, some necrophiliac, (laughs) something would show up that would say, no, this is absolutely offensive and it's disrespectful to the dead and it would get boycotted. Mm -hmm. But I wonder, though, if it could still sell, because like you say, anything can get boycotted these days. And really, Hollywood doesn't really respond to boycotts. They don't care. All they care about is is can they sell the tickets. So it could be like if people boycott, if there's enough people, then they'll be like, okay, we're not going to do this because we don't think we can sell the tickets. Well, the funny thing is it, it depends on the balls of the people who are, are making the product because I'm, I'm tending to find that, at least from a social standpoint, uh, people are falling into two different categories. Those that say, oh, no, this is offending someone, and therefore it must stop. And then you have those other people who say, no, fuck it. I should be able to say what it is that I want to say. Mm-hmm. So it, depending on whoever's voices are louder for a particular campaign, that will determine whether or not something is done or does not get done. Yeah. I, t- I tend to fall somewhere in the middle um, because a lot of times, yeah, it, it does get, it gets nerve wracking. Everything can't offend everybody. Yeah, I mean, really, yeah, it just yeah, can't. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think what is really on the front lines and I kind of think the last bastion of defense in the free speech business is comedy because, huh. com- you know, real comedy is offensive. Good comedy is offensive to someone. And, I agree. you know, like you have to be able to call someone retarded, you know, you I have agree. to be able to call someone a fag hag or, you know, like you use terms and that you and I wouldn't use in our daily business life, but that it's the shock value that is humorous. And, um, and so sometimes it's interesting. I have a friend who is actually working with Adam Carolla right now on a documentary about, uh, being a comedian on college campuses and mm. how Adam Carolla says he doesn't go to college campuses anymore because he can't say anything because the people wow. are so the kids are so sensitive and so wound up like they're looking for ways to be offended that he can't have a good show. And um, Chris Rock has recently said the same thing. He said he does not do colleges anymore because mm. it's not a good environment for comedy. And so I think, you know, we're, and we're starting to see the echoes of that. I think you're right. I think there's people on one side who don't want to offend anyone. And then there's people on the other side who are like, screw it. You know, I should be able to say whatever I want. Like that's the category that Adam Sandler lives in. Like he does whatever he wants. He does not care. Some of his stuff is not that great. And some of the, some of it is hilarious. But if you watch like his stuff on Netflix, He's like grossly offensive. There's all kinds of horrible things in this movie, but he is one of those people that's like, I don't care if you don't like it, then don't watch it. But then there are other people who go to great lengths to, and especially we're living in, like I was thinking, and I want to ask you this, David, I was thinking about recasting this movie. If, if we, if we were to make this movie, who would we cast in the lead roles today? And the big thing now is like gender bending, right? Like switching Mm. genders and like the ghostbusters and, so I wonder if maybe a way this movie could get made is if we switched the gender roles. Hmm. Well, or 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 uh, you you switch the race of the dead guy because if if the dead guy is somebody who you know 
I don't know, is perceived as somebody that, you know, okay, well, we can go ahead and mistreat them anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then it doesn't matter that they're dead and being mistreated. But I think in this day and age, that guy has to be white then. That guy has to be white because there's no way you can cast, like you could not cast a black actor in that role and have two white guys dragging the black guy around and, you know, treating you know, the black the, guy the, like the, shit. That's, the, that's for sure not going to get past, going to get green lit. The fact that this even has to be a conversation, it just, it reminds me of a, <clears throat> a very brilliant standup that George Carlin had um, where he talked about um how there were words that we used to use to describe certain things, and now we PC those words so much that they've almost lost meaning. Um, he said, you know, when veterans would go off to war and they would come back messed up, we would say they were shell-shocked, mm-hmm. you know, but now we say that they have post-traumatic stress disorder. Or, um, and, and he was like, you know, if you call a thing a thing, instead of trying to sugarcoat it, maybe we'll actually help people and give them the assistance that they actually need. And it, you know, it's it's the same kind of thing as as far as the way you know you have to think about mm. how movies are made and how people are portrayed in movies, and it's like just tell the fucking story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just tell the fucking story, and sometimes guess what? You need to be offended. Right, and the stories I think that hold up the best are the stories that that don't try to cater to anyone or anything. That they just Absolute. just tell the story, and um, it's a good story, and then that's what people are attracted to. I agree. To the best of my knowledge, nobody ever accused Martin Scorsese of being racist when he does Italian mob movies where niggas thrown around throughout the movie. Nobody ever they, they, they go, okay, well, we assume that they're an Italian mobster, and that word is just used. Right. And guess what? It probably is. Right. It probably is. It doesn't make Martin Scorsese a racist. It doesn't make Quentin Tarantino a racist because it, it, it's the word is used. I use I use I brush my teeth with nigga. <laughs> I use it all day, every day, and it's like I just people need to lighten the fuck up, and you know. <sighs> Just under, under, folks just need to lighten up. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're <laughs> they, definitely they, killing, we're definitely killing humor. Up. Yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely killing it. I agree. And I'm sure it's quite a, a, a troubling time to be a comic these days. Um, well, let's talk about how you might recast this movie if you had the opportunity. Um, who might we use for Bernie? Who would Rich and uh, Larry be? Well, if, if if you're thinking about Bernie, Bernie would have to be somebody who does great physical comedy. Mm-hmm. And actually, the the first person that pops into my mind, I don't I don't know if his old ass could still do it, but Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is <laughs> great for Bernie. Yeah. Oh man, yes. He would be brilliant for Bernie. I mean, if anybody could use their body to tell a story, it would be Jim Carrey. Uh, I think that is a great. I think 100%. That is a great cat. Let's do it. <laughs> Remake of Weekend at Bernie's starring Jim Carrey. And I would think like the guys that I would put in, uh, you know, like a Seth Rogen. Uh, um, uh, I think, uh, you know what? For this kind of movie, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. What, in the uh, McCarthy role? Yeah. Or either or. I would use Seth Rogen and Donald Glover. 
Uh, you know what? What's funny is I'm sitting. Since you threw Seth Rogen, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I can see this movie now. I can see the <laughs> entire movie now. But you, I would put Rogen in the McCarthy role, and then I would put uh, what's what's my man's name? Uh, um, oh, um, he's he's in the movie now with um, with Brian about, Cranston. Yes, James. Uh, James Franco. James Franco. Yeah, I was going to say I would put Franco too. in the Silverman role. Dude, that would be hilarious. <laughs> and those guys are really good together. <laughs> those guys really work well together, too. Now, what's funny is if anybody could pull off an irreverent movie like that, uh, like Weekend at Bernie, where you're tossing around a dead guy, those guys could pull that off. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Especially it. if, you know, they managed to throw weed in there some kind of way. If yeah. they threw weed in there some kind of way, those guys can pull it off. <laughs> the only thing is that is that I if I was remaking this movie, I would give the girlfriend role a little more meat and I, agree. I would either make the Jonathan Silver role less sleazy or I would make her kind of sleazy. So that she like I would make her have some faults, like maybe she's trying, like pulling a scam or running a number throughout the whole movie as well, so that it doesn't seem so much that she's just some little angelic creature that just can't wait to get laid, and so is willing to overlook all of these qualities. Well, she'd have to be a third banana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, yeah. She, yeah she, she'd have to have equal equal stake in this and equal skin in the yeah, game. Absolutely, I, so. I agree. I don't think you make the movie work any other way. And Bernie oh. has to be a guy. You can't. You definitely can't cast Bernie as a woman. There's just no. too many implications there. Uh, I mean, can you yes. make the, the the sexy? <laughs> yeah, like a guy. <laughs> That's no. <laughs> okay. well, she would okay. totally get Bill Cosby'd. We, yeah, we... <laughs> too too soon. So now, now we just had this whole conversation about fuck what people think and, and all this PC world and immediately you are absolutely right. We, there's no way no, you could no. put a woman in that role. No. And even with even knowing that she's dead. No. Knowing that she's dead, no. having somebody come in and have non-consensual sex with her, yes, it no. would send people through the roof. It would and I can imagine even like the the crunchy feminist <laughs> groups getting all upset in the first for about the woman being dead in the first place and being dragged around by two men. And isn't this how Hollywood views women as nothing but carcasses? Yes, to be, yes, <laughs> to be, you know, yes. to be shaped and to be puppeted, and they're nothing but puppets. And <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't work. It's got to be oh, a guy, but I love, God. I love the Jim Carrey casting. I, I think we should, we, we got to write this up and send it in, because they've had Weekend at Bernie's three on the slate forever. There's been really? rumor. Oh yes, there's been rumors forever that there was going to be a weekend at Bernie's three. I, I mean, obviously you couldn't make that happen now because Terry Kaiser's too old. You know, it, weekend at Bernie's three would have to be a totally separate event. You know, it couldn't be the same body. That joke still surviving for a third movie. Really? People are. It is. It has been. You know, kind of creeping around for years. And no one's ever greenlit it, but I have heard rumors um, that, 
you know, there is kind of a remake or a reboot um, in the works. I don't know how true it is. I would hate for them to do a third movie, but my God, if they did a remake of Weekend at Bernie with the with with the cast, can you imagine the cast of This Is the End? Yeah, doing Weekend at Bernie's. I can. I really can. I really that movie would be hilarious. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think we could do it. I think we could do it. I think it could it could happen, and it could have a good little audience, and it might even be one of those movies that becomes like a little cult classic. Which, much like Weekend at Bernie's was, it didn't do great at the movie theaters, um, and it wasn't considered one of the better movies of 1989. In fact, Siskel and Ebert hated it and gave it two thumbs down. (laughs) <laughs> um, they thought it, but again, they well, the writing was atrocious. It I'm was sorry. terrible. It, it was, was terrible. It was bad, but they loved Terry Kaiser's performance as well. Um, but it became a bigger hit in the uh, video VHS and DVD market. So that's turn it over it. to the guys from this is the end. Seth Rogen and his guys turn yeah. it over to them. Uh, get, get to Bernie's death. At around the 30-minute mark instead of the 60-minute mark. Even earlier. I yes. say you don't need – we don't even need to set up these guys. We don't really nope. need to know much nope. about them. Let, they're let's get they're to two Bernie. accountants. <laughs> they want to do better at work. They find a mistake, and Bernie realizes he's got to kill them. You can do That's that it. in 10 minutes. We don't That's need it. to see all the exposition. We really don't. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You can get to it quick. We're not watching an Oscar-worthy movie. You know, we're not watching – on Golden Pond, we don't need to fall in love with these characters. It's like um, it's like The Hangover. You know, I went to see yes. I went to see Office Christmas Party the other night. Um, and oh, how was that? It was okay. It was entertaining. Okay. I likened it to um, Chinese food, like cheap Chinese food. It like okay. did the job, but you know, you're hungry a little while later, and you don't yeah, really you, remember you, what you, you had. You weren't satisfied about an hour later. Yeah, okay. but it was fine. You know, it was it was entertaining enough. But one of the things that I said I didn't like about the movie it slowed that slowed it down was they felt the need to flesh out all of these characters. Mm-hmm. And you in a movie like that, you don't need that. You don't care. And what The Hangover did so well was they we got to know the characters along the way. We got to know the characters as they were going through all of their craziness and the hijinks and everything we didn't have to like set up who they were ahead of time like we didn't spend a lot of time with them we really got to the action right away and then it was along the journey that we discovered their characters and things we liked about them and and that's when they became you know three-dimensional characters so you don't need to spend all that time with people like that with characters like that because that's not what you're going to see this movie for you're that going, sounds like a yeah. whole lot of a lot of women that I I, I used to uh, have have relations with, and 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 you know, and then they they want to you know show up and give me gifts and this that. I'm like, we we don't need that. You know, that's it's un, it's it's not necessary for you to develop your character okay. like that. That's not the role. It's not the role that you serve. Let's just kind of kind of cut to the chase. Here. <laughs> we don't need to waste time. Let's, let's like, not waste we, my time we don't and need yours. All, yeah. All the ambiance doesn't really work for this character. That's I, yeah. it's just kind of cut to the chase. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> and frankly, if I, you know, if I'm a moviegoer and I'm paying my eleven to fifteen dollars for a ticket, you know, yeah, I want to get right to the chase. I do. Mm. 
I, I just, I want to get right to, to it. And Weekend at Bernie's took too long to get to it. And I think maybe I would have enjoyed more if it had gotten there sooner. Yep. Um, yeah. So I was kind of disappointed to discover that this movie wasn't as great as I remembered it. But uh, it's been really great chatting with you and, and talking about this movie with you, David. I had a really great time talking about it. Uh, no doubt, man. Yeah. This was a blast. It was I, fun. And you, you've got to contact me. What what was it? I think you told me it was either, uh, I think it was Revenge of the Nerds that you say, or something else Soul that you man. said was coming up. Oh, yeah. Revenge of the Nerds is coming up. Uh, I'm doing Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and Soul Man is a big one. Soul Man. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah. Call a brother. <laughs> I got to be there for that. I got to be there for that. <laughs> we're going to have fun on that one. <laughs> Uh, before we go, David, tell our listeners um, where they can find you, where they can find information about you, or what you got going on. Well, I always have something going on. Um, I am. Uh, you can find me at uh, Showcase S H O W C A S E E N T I N C Showcase E N T I N C dot com. That's my website. Uh, or you can find me out on Facebook at uh, SEI Studios. Um, but, uh, currently right now, uh, I don't have anything currently going on. Okay. Not, not currently, but I'm always working on stuff. <laughs> we always are. That is the nature of an artist. That's why everyone you meet, every artist you meet, like what you got going on? Oh, I have a project. We're going to project. Like we're literally always working. So even if it doesn't look like you're not working, you've always got something in the works or about to be in the works or planning to be in the works so definitely oh. uh keep up with david over there at sei please do yeah and uh we've got to have you back on the show though this is a great fun oh no problem man you 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 let me drink and curse i love you yeah <laughs> it's not worth doing a podcast if you can't do those two things no doubt no all right i am kira allen and this has been how inappropriate thanks guys uh tune in next time our next episode will be fast times at ridgemont high you don't want to miss that one thanks so much and thank you again david thank you Sway podcast music books ritual human sacrifice wait 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 not that last one phantomsway.com <laughs>